Thank you, Holy Father, for making us to see this day. We ask for your grace and mercy to be upon us, that we may be consecrated to your service. As we go through the words of our devotion, Lord, please, we ask for understanding, we ask for wisdom, we ask for grace to become the sons of God. Put your words in my mouth, O Lord. I have nothing to say of my own. I'm leaning fully on you that you will inspire me, Lord, to speak blessings to all who would listen. Bless us, dear Lord, with these words. In Jesus' name I've prayed. Amen. Conflict and Courage, February 5 God comes down to see. Then they said, Come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its top in the heavens, and let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be scattered abroad upon the face of the whole earth. Genesis chapter 11 verse 4 For a time, the descendants of Noah continued to dwell among the mountains where the ark had rested. As their numbers increased, apostasy soon led to division. Those who desired to forget their Creator and to cast off the restraint of His law felt a constant annoyance from the teaching and example of their God-fearing associates. And after a time, they decided to separate from the worshippers of God. Accordingly, they journeyed to the plain of Shinar, on the banks of the river Euphrates. Here, they decided to build a city and in it a tower of such stupendous height as should render it the wonder of the world. The dwellers on the plain of Shinar disbelieved God's covenant that he would not again bring a flood upon the earth. Many of them denied the existence of God and attributed the flood to the operation of natural causes. Others believed in a supreme being and that it was he who had destroyed the antediluvian world, and their hearts, like that of Cain, rose up in rebellion against him. One object before them in the erection of the tower was to secure their own safety in case of another deluge. By carrying the structure to a much greater height than was reached by the waters of the flood, they thought to place themselves beyond all possibility of danger, and as they would be able to ascend to the region of the clouds, they hoped to ascertain the course of the flood. There are tower builders in our time. Infidels construct their theories from the supposed deductions of science and reject the revealed word of God. In the professedly Christian world, Many turn away from the plain teachings of the Bible and build up a creed from human speculations and pleasing fables, and they point to their tower as a way to climb up to heaven. The time of God's investigation is at hand. The Most High will come down to see that which the children of men have builded. His sovereign power will be revealed. The works of human pride will be laid low. Amen.
The title of our devotion for today is God Comes Down to See. There are things that happen in our world that demand the intervention of God, that God comes to investigate and does something to intervene in what man is doing. We left off our devotion in making comparisons between the days of the antediluvians and also our day, which is the last days. Noah, being the one that built the ark and his family, the only human that survived the flood, came out of the ark after 150 days. And the Lord blessed Noah and gave him instruction on how to continue with life. And God blessed them and told them to be fruitful and multiply. And the Lord gave them a symbol a covenant telling them that the world will never be destroyed again with a flood. And the Lord gave a promise and that promise, the covenant, was a rainbow. And as we see the rainbow today, we are to look upon it with trust in God, knowing that the Lord who promised that a flood will never be used to destroy the world again is true to his word and is faithful. Cain Noah and his children, having come out of the ark, began life again. But something remarkable happened, and then it looked like the world was about to come back to square one. That the things that happened before the flood may happen again, danger threatened, but the Lord knew how to deal with it. In the children of Noah, something strange took place, but then like I said, God told them to be fruitful and multiply the earth. Reading from Patriarchs and Prophets, starting from page 117 down to 118, it says, To repeople the desolate earth, which the flood had so lately swept from its moral corruption, God had preserved but one family, the household of Noah, to whom he had declared, Thee have I seen righteous before me in this generation. Genesis 7 verse 1. Yet, in the three sons of Noah was speedily developed the same great distinction seen in the world before the flood. In Shem, Ham, and Japheth, who were to be the founders of the human race, was foreshadowed the character of their posterity. Noah, speaking by divine inspiration, foretold the history of the three great races to spring from these fathers of mankind. Tracing the descendants of Ham through the son rather than the father, he declared, Cursed be Canaan, a servant of servants shall he be unto his brethren. Hmm. The unnatural crime of Ham declared that filial reverence had long before been cast from his soul, and it revealed the impiety and vileness of his character. These evil characteristics were perpetuated in Canaan and his posterity, whose continued guilt called upon them the judgments of God. End of quote. I will continue the reading soon. So what is it that Ham did that would warrant these strong words on him that says it revealed the impiety and vileness of his character? to the point that his child Canaan was cursed not necessarily by Noah but Noah was only telling the future of what would be in these 
uh, son of Ham. Going to our Bibles, we would understand what this unnatural crime is and you will be surprised what is called an unnatural crime that reveals the vileness and impiety of Ham. And you tell me and we will reason together. Do you see this as an unnatural crime? Do you see it to reveal vileness? Now, we will read it in the book of Genesis chapter 9. Verse 20, it says, And Noah began to be an husbandman, and he planted a vineyard. And he drank of the wine and was drunken. And he was uncovered within his tent, that means he was naked. And Ham, the father of Canaan, saw the nakedness of his father, and told his two brethren without. And Shem and Japheth took a garment and laid it upon both their shoulders, and went backward and covered the nakedness of their father. And their faces were backward, and they saw not their father's nakedness. And Noah awoke from his wine, and knew what his younger son had done unto him. And he said, Cursed be Canaan, a servant of servants shall he be unto his brethren. And he said, Blessed be the Lord God of Shem, and Canaan shall be his servant. God shall enlarge Japheth, and he shall dwell in the tents of Shem, and Canaan shall be his servant. What was the unnatural crime here? The unnatural crime being referred to was that Ham looked with irreverence at the nakedness of his father. It is one thing to see it mistakenly, and it's another thing to pick on it and look at it as not a big deal. Ham didn't see the big deal in viewing his father's nakedness. He just didn't see it mistakenly but stared at it and even called his brothers to come and view it with him. Wow! What pleasure did Ham derive from seeing his father naked? Where was his respect? Where was his reverence for his father? Noah waking up from his sleep and when he knew what happened, how else would he know what had happened if it wasn't that someone told him? Because it wasn't natural what Ham did. It was a very strange behavior. And I know that as I say this, some will wonder what was strange about it. I mean, we see our parents' nakedness all the time and we see nakedness all around us. That tells you how bad our world is. And because of Ham seeing his father's nakedness, Noah, by divine revelation, not by cursing his son, said that cursed is Canaan, not Ham now. Because Noah could see the effect of the sin of Ham on his child. And the seed of evil was already in Ham. And this was supposed to be perpetrated in his son Canaan. And then a blessing was pronounced on Shem and Japheth. Reading still in Patriarchs and Prophets, page 118, it says, The posterity of Canaan descended to the most degrading forms of hedonism. Though the prophetic curse had doomed them to slavery, the doom was withheld for centuries. God bore with their impiety and corruption until they passed the limits of divine forbearance. Then they were dispossessed and became bondmen to the descendants of Shem and Japheth. The prophecy of Noah was no arbitrary denunciation of wrath or declaration of favor. It did not fix the character and destiny of his sons, but it showed what would be the result of the course of life they had severally chosen 
and the character they had developed. It was an expression of God's purpose toward them and their posterity in view of their own character and conduct. As a rule, children inherit the dispositions and tendencies of their parents and imitate their example so that the sins of the parents are practiced by the children from generation to generation. Thus, the vileness and irreverence of harm were reproduced in his posterity, bringing a curse upon them for many generations. One sinner destroyed much good. Ecclesiastes chapter 9 verse 18. On the other hand, how richly rewarded was Shem's respect for his father, and what an illustrious line of holy men appears in his posterity. The Lord knoweth the days of the upright, and his seed is blessed. Psalms 37 verse 18 and verse 16. Know therefore that the Lord thy God, he is God, the faithful God, which keepeth covenant and mercy with them that love him and keep his commandments to a thousand generations. Deuteronomy 7 verse 9. End of quote. So it is clear that the issue that had to do with Ham was not that Noah was cursing him, but it is a fact. When the Bible says Ham, the father of Canaan, went and viewed the nakedness of his own father Noah. The reason the Bible says the father of Canaan is for us to join it, to make the connection, to understand that Canaan, watching the example of his father, was going to follow after Ham. And not only that, it made us understand that there was something about Ham that was vile, that he had lost his piety and reverence and this was going to be passed on to his children. It is a very important lesson for us. This first lesson, look at yourself the way you are. Whatever weaknesses you have, whatever your tendencies are, be sure that such tendencies are going to be passed to your children and will be amplified in them if you don't deal with it. Oh my! As I look at my own life, I wonder, what am I going to pass? What am I going to bequeath to my children? Is it the same vileness? Is it vileness we have in us? It is going to be passed on to our children. And we must work on ourselves. Because whatever example we show, and whatever character we have, it's in our genes. As it was in Ham's gene and transferred to Canaan. So it is with us, it's in our genes. Don't go about just saying, I want to have children, I want to have children, and you're not dealing with yourself. Trying to make the best out of yourself so that your child can have it better for himself or herself too. Whatever your struggles and weaknesses and tendencies, if you haven't dealt with them, be sure that you're going to see it in your children. Canaan, the child of Ham, became the one. Popular Canaan, you hear the land of Canaan, land of Canaan. What was in the land of Canaan? It was full of heathens. The Amorites, the Perizzites, the Jebusites, these were the deep, deep heathen nation. Egypt still was part of uh, uh, Ham's children. These people were the ones who uh, were the ones who were like Cain once again in the world, but not to the same extent that Cain's children went. But they began the evil again in the world. And as we read about what Ham did, we ask ourselves, are we doing the same thing? Today, we look at nakedness all around us and nobody will budge. This, it was this one thing of seeing his father's nakedness with irreverence that made it to be seen 
that there was something wrong with her. The Bible says in the book of Leviticus 20 verse 17, And if a man shall take his sister, his father's daughter, or his mother's daughter, and see her nakedness, and she see his nakedness, it is a wicked thing. Is it a wicked thing to you? Parents, when you are bringing up your children, be careful how you bring them up. Do not think that it doesn't matter whether they are seeing each other's nakedness. The Bible says it is wrong. And what is even worse for for a man to see his father's or mother's nakedness. Parents, how do you conduct yourself before your children? Some of the parents are the ones that are guilty. It is not the children. The children have some reverence for the parents. They know that they don't want people to see their nakedness. But their parents come around them naked. And then... Sometimes they try to hide away from their parents, but the parents are careless, walking around their children naked. Are you bringing a curse upon your child or upon yourself? Follow the word of God. Don't follow your mind and say, I don't see anything there. There's no big deal there. In your mind, and don't trust your mind because our mind is carnal. Don't think that your mind is alright. The word of God says there is something there. It is wrong. Therefore, it will be well with us to submit to the word of God and not argue with him and change our ways now the lord knows perhaps we've been doing this ignorantly we are to be corrected now looking at what we have ham became the one who had those children who would later be the ones that god came down to see as we read the book of genesis 10 it says in verse 6 and the sons of ham kosh and mizraim and Phut, and canaan and the sons of kosh sheba and Havilah, and Sabta, and Rama, and Sabteka, and the sons of Rama, Sheba, and Dedan, and Cush begat Nimrod. He began to be a mighty one in the earth. He was a mighty hunter before the Lord. Wherefore it is said, even as Nimrod, a mighty hunter before the Lord, and the beginning of his kingdom was Babel, and Erech, and Akkad, and Kalne in the land of Shinar. Out of that land went forth Ashur, and builded Nineveh, and the city Rehoboth and Keilah, and Resen between Nineveh and Keilah. The same is a great city. Wow! From Ham's lineage, we have one of his children called Cush, and from Cush, we have a mighty hunter called Nimrod. This Nimrod, the mighty hunter before the Lord, was a rebel leader. Nimrod was not a high mighty hunter before the Lord because the Lord gave him strength. But as we can see, it says in verse 10 that the beginning of his kingdom, that's Nimrod's kingdom, was Babel. Babel we know today to be the place where these people said, Come now, let us make a name for ourselves. Who was the leader of these people in Babel? It was the man called Nimrod. In rebellion, they went against God. A solemn lesson is once again repeated here for us that we should not go about in rebellion against God. So let us look at this issue with Nimrod. In the book of Genesis 11, reading from verse 1, it says, And the whole earth was of one language and of one speech. And it came to pass, as they journeyed from the east, that they found a plain in the land of Shinar, and they dwelt there. And they said one to another, Go to let us make brick and burn them thoroughly and they had brick for stone and slime had they for mortar and they said go to let us build us a city and a tower whose top may reach unto heaven and let us make us a name lest we be scattered abroad upon the face of the whole earth and the lord came down 
to see the city and the tower which the children of men builded. Hmm. The Lord came down. Who were the people building this? As we read in our devotion, these were the people who, by constantly being around the godly, were offended. They didn't like to hear about God. And they went, being, Nimrod being their leader, built a kingdom. You see, Cain built a city and called it Enoch. Babel went further. He had a kingdom for himself. Who made a man a ruler over another man? Noah was no king of anybody. Neither was Shem and Ham and Japheth a king to anybody. But one day, a man came thinking himself to be the king of everyone. And the Bible says he was a mighty hunter. This, remember the Bible said that in the book of um, Genesis 6 that there were giants in those days as before the flood and after those days these men were giants. Nimrod was a giant. Cain, um, Shem, Ham, Japheth were giants and many of the children they had were giants. They could achieve great things too but not like the people before the flood because they were not up to the structure of those before the flood. The world had changed at the time because it was no longer uh, catering to man's needs like it was before the flood. So these were these men, giant men, who once again want to go against God in rebellion for various reasons. Some of them refuse to believe that there is a God. Others believe that there was a God, but was, was like Cain in rebellion against him. Because they didn't want to obey his ways and his commandments, they separated themselves to build a kingdom for themselves. And you hear the list of cities that Nimrod built. It's numerous, just one person, various cities under him. But when they got to the plain of China, they said to themselves, he had people with him. These were rebels. They were all with him. And they said, let us make a name for ourselves. How did this thought come to their mind? These were people who had conquered and conquered places, built cities for themselves. They had achieved and achieved so much to the point where they felt nothing was impossible to them. And they felt, oh, let us finally do something great and make a name for ourselves. We'll build a city and we'll build a tower in the plain of China and we'll build this tower to the top of the heavens in rebellion against God just in case he brings another flood. Why were they thinking that God was going to bring another flood? It is not because they knew they were in sin. There are people today and brothers and sisters, it may be you too. You know you are doing wrong and you are afraid of God. And every time you want to cross the road, you are afraid, thinking, oh, he's go- a car is going to hit me, the Lord is against me, he's going to do something to me. It wasn't long before that the, the flood had just happened. By the way, this issue here is happening just 100 years after the flood. That's when this tower is being built. So, fear was in them. They knew there was something called a flood. And the fear had gripped them. They knew that the cause of the flood was disobedience to God. These willingly disobedient people being afraid of God, thinking that the Lord will bring another flood upon them because they knew they were doing the same evils that were being practiced before the flood. Out of fear and distrust and unbelief, they thought that God was going to do the same thing that he did before. And they said, let us prepare ourselves to fight against God. That's basically what they were saying. We will build a tower just in case the Lord wants to destroy us again with the flood like he did to those before the flood. Who knows? Most certainly, people must have warned them. Shem must have warned them. The children of Shem must have warned them. 
this thing you people are doing is the same thing that was done before the flood. Shem lived before the flood. He knew what happened and he was still alive at this time and must have preached in solemnity to these people telling them you will bring destruction upon yourself if you continue in this dissipation and evil that you are doing and they defiantly continued in their evil they defiantly went ahead to do the evil but every time their hearts will be telling them no you are going against god you are kicking against the prick and then their fear will come the lord may destroy us the lord may destroy us and then they decided to go ahead and do this and if god had permitted them to do it it would have been a great disaster and so it is with many today are you defiantly going against the word of God? The same thoughts will come to your mind. You will always be living in fear, thinking that the Lord is out to get you. And that was how these people were reasoning, thinking that the Lord was out to get them because of their sins which they were knowingly committing. And here it is, the Lord would have us know. He doesn't pay to go against him. There is no peace for the wicked. They were not at peace. And because of that, they said they wanted to build a tower for themselves where they feel that they would uh, be protected in case another flood came. But the Lord came down to see. As we read in Genesis chapter 11, verse 6, verse 5. And the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the children of men builded. Unbelief was what led to the building of the tower. And the same unbelief leads many to erect towers for themselves today. Conflict and Courage, page 42, paragraph 4. There are tower builders in our time. Infidels construct their theories from the supposed deductions of science and reject the revealed word of God. In the professedly Christian world, many turn away from the plain teachings of the Bible and build up a creed from human speculations and pleasing fables and they point to their tower as a way to climb up to heaven. End of quote. When God comes down to see, what does he see us doing? Does he see self-exaltation or does he see righteousness? Does he see us laboring to make a name for ourselves or does he see us defying him in rebellion? Let us not, like these men, be in rebellion against God or seek to make a name for ourselves. What is the purpose of your work? Today, there are various ways in which many try to make a name for themselves. You hear of the Guinness Book of Record. People want to make a name for themselves. So they go and practice this and practice that, try this and try that. They want to make a name for themselves. In academia, you hear of people, our first class, they labor to make a name for themselves sports and even presidents of nations leaders wanting to conquer other people to make a name for themselves revolutionary warfare and today the very cheapest and most popular way for people to make them a name for themselves is by doing stupid things on tiktok and social media people young people now want to make a name for themselves long ago i remember a study that was made young people were asked a question which would you prefer to live 30 years of popularity eh, and then you die or to live a very long life of 100 years yet you are not famous and most of the young people chose the short life of fame and popularity 
over the long life of good and then dying. Popularity and fame is eating out the life of many today. People are doing all kinds of stupid things on TikTok just to make a name for themselves. People are burning the midnight oil and killing themselves, studying one thing or the other that is of no benefit just to make a name for themselves. And while doing this, many are disobeying God, breaking His commandments, not caring about the re- or regarding the principles of God because they want to make a name for themselves. They want to be popular. So they do stupid things just to make a name, just to be popular, so that they can appear on, in, in TV just for a short while, look, so that they can be known. Look at the case we had recently with a certain Josie Smollett. What did he do? He faked something, faked an attack, which would have maligned many other people, fueling the hatred between the whites and the blacks, and faked an attack on himself, claiming that it was white supremacists that did it all for one purpose to make a name for himself and then what did he do to make a name for himself he did not care that he was lying against other people he did not care that it was going to affect a whole race of people to make them appear as extremists as terrorists as haters he didn't care that many were going to be affected all he cared about was himself self-exaltation so that he can be popular and yeah he got his short time of fame all over on cnn on abc and those who fell for his lies they were all over helping him to get his popularity eventually it came out that he was lying and he faked an attack on himself and claimed that it was white supremacists that did it to him but he did get his short time of fame he wanted to push his career in hollywood and then he did that this is what people are doing today young people please listen of what profit is it to you just to gain some short time of popularity and then you do stupid things on tiktok and social media and some are killing themselves today committing suicide because they are not popular because they are not known because they are not famous and then they feel like their life is nothing your life is only something when it is in God and all those who are doing those things on TikTok and all over social media and in the world generally whether it's in the music world to become a star or the sports world or doing all those things to make their name enter the Guinness Book of Records and the academia you know all those things all those people who are doing it the world's the world's wise men are nothing you want to make a name for yourself then keep the commandments of God. We'll talk about that when we look at the life of Abraham. While these men were trying to make a name for himself, God was making a name for someone else, Father Abraham. And Abraham was not setting out to make a name for himself. Humble yourself. Don't in this life think that the aim of life is to do things to bring attention to yourself, to bring attention to the things you are doing. And you will do things just to get attention. It starts when they are small. Parents, be careful how you praise your children. You are putting in them that desire to self for self-exaltation. Self is what we have to fear the most. Self-exaltation is a terrible thing. And we, like these people, can fall into it to make a name for ourselves. And one way people make the great name for themselves is by attacking God. The evolutionists and the rebels of this world what do they do people like stephen stephen fry insulting god calling him all sorts of names stephen hawkins the same thing all of them denying god 
thinking that the best way to make a name for yourself is disproving the existence of God and insulting Him. The Lord will come down to see. And when He does come down to see, what will He see in your life? Let us all do righteousness, so that when the Lord comes down to see, He will see in us righteousness, meekness, and the Lord will make a name for us. Don't go about trying to make a name for yourself and to exalt yourself. We will talk more on these things as we go subsequently in our devotion. Suffice to say for today that we learn the lesson that whatever we are will transfer to our children. Therefore, be careful what your tendencies and dispositions are. And we learn the lesson also that it is not good for us to set out to make a name for ourselves, but rather let us keep the commandments of God and the Lord will make a name for us. We will talk more on these things as we move on. May the Lord bless you and help you to walk in the way of righteousness is my prayer. Amen. Let us pray. Loving Father in heaven, we thank you for all the lessons we have learned today. Forgive us, Lord, for all the times we have tried to make a name for ourselves, doing things for cheap fame and popularity, even insulting you and being a rebel, saying things to make the word of God look stupid, and then we feel wise because we think we have confounded the word of God. Forgive us for these things, O Lord. We pray that your Spirit shall be upon all of us, that we may render due diligence and obedience to your word, and may you, Lord, do what you have done for others, that you may make our name for us. We do not seek even for that. We don't have, we are not worthy of it. Let your will be done in our lives is our prayer. Give us grace to reflect the image of God is our prayer. In Jesus' name, Amen.